Grassroots Community Network is now available to podcast. Enjoy all your favorite programming, whether you are making the commute to or from work, enjoying a jog through the mountains, or just hanging around the house. And don't forget that Grassroots offers over 4,000 shows on demand on our webpage, www.grassrootstv.org. Simply use the search tool in the upper right corner to locate your content. There are many ways to connect with your community. For podcasts, visit our homepage on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. All direct links, including a direct link to subscribe to our RSS feed, can be found under the search bar on our homepage. And remember, you are Grassroots Community Network. Please consider contributing by visiting our website at www.grassrootstv.org or by calling us at 970-925-8000. Thank you. If you'll remember, we did an interview last season with Larry Cohn, who's the chairman of Democracy Initiative. And I remember in my introduction to Larry, I said that it was a matter of love at first sight because I, I just fell in love with Democracy Initiative's website, their materials, uh, their educational materials in particular, and really their agenda. And we had a terrific interview with Larry, so much so that I wanted to do uh, part two, so to speak, this season, and I contacted Sean Tremblay from the Democracy Initiative to talk about scheduling. And Sean said, we'd love to do another bout with Larry, uh, but we've got this amazing program coming up, and if you have any interest, we'd love to chat about that. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about Democracy Awakening. Uh, now, Democracy Initiative, uh, again, which is a great organization, is part of Democracy um, Awakening. And I guess the official title is Democracy Awakening 2016. And we're going to interview today Angie Wells, who's one of the senior strategists from the Democracy Initiative. She's going to tell us about this uh, mobilization, as they call it. I don't think we've talked about a mobilization yet on this show, so that's a, a new word for us. We're going to find out what a mobilization is. And most importantly, we're going to find out about the great work that's going to be done at the mobilization called Democracy Awakening 2016. So with that, let's have a chat with Angie Wells. So Angie, welcome to our show. Thank you. Now, and I, know, now, I know before the show started, you told me you have a spiel. I think it was the word you used, spiel? I think that's what I said, actually. Okay, so I'm not even going to ask you a question. I'm just going to say, go, and you do your spiel, and then we'll fill in the blanks when the spiel's over. How's that? Sounds like a plan. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Steve. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to talk to you and your viewers today about the Democracy Awakening, an exciting three-day event here in Washington, D.C., April 16th, 17th, and 18th, where ordinary people from across the country are coming together to demand a democracy where every vote is heard and counted and all Americans have an equal voice. You know, the Democracy Awakening really has something for everyone. And I encourage everyone to go to democracyawakening.org. But on April 16th, there's teachings and trainings and workshops. There's art spaces and cultural hubs. And then on April 17th, it's a large family-friendly rally at Capitol Hill, the U.S. Capitol. Uh, there'll be incredible speakers, again, that I encourage you to go to democracyawakening.org to see the full lineup, but incredible speakers like Reverend William Barber, Annie Leonard, Jim Hightower. We even have 
Grammy award-winning artist Sweet Honey and the Rock performing. Then there's going to be a march after that, and then ending the day with a powerful prayer vigil. So I encourage everyone, look at the full lineup of guests for the 17th. And then on April 18th, there's going to be the Congress of Conscience. It's going to start early at 8.45 down at Union Station. Then we're going to all in unison march up First Street to the U.S. Capitol for a day of nonviolent direct action. So again, I encourage everyone to please go to democracyawakening.org. Please, it's going to be a wonderful three days, and we look forward to everyone attending and participating. There you go. Great spiel. Thank you. <laughs> and if we, if you left anything out of the spiel at the end, we'll, we'll let you do more spiel. So okay. um, thanks for being a guest, and we're very excited to hear about democ the Democracy Awakening. Uh, let's, let's start out with the origin of this. Who, who had the inspiration for this event, and how far back does it go in terms of getting it started? Well, I think uh, it was something that's across the, the country. I mean, when you look at, uh, this is the first presidential election in my lifetime because of the Shelby decision, where we actually have less voting rights than we did in 1965. I think people from across the country uh, were really sitting and saying, we, we have to do something, we need to get together, we need to organize. Uh, so when you look at places like Texas, in North Carolina, where 17-year-olds are no longer being registered to vote in high school, where you look at shortened early voting that disproportionately uh, affects people that work uh, and, and people of color, when you look at the egregious ID laws that we have affecting women, the poor, the elderly, and you look at places where state-issued student IDs aren't acceptable forms of identification but then state-issued gun licenses are. I think it was just a wave across the country that said we need to mobilize and we need to come and remind people in D.C. that we demanded democracy that's for and by the people and just not for the corporations and the wealthy few. So, so you mentioned the Shelby decision, and again, for the benefit of the viewers, uh, let's, let's drill down here and tell them what the Shelby decision was. When did that happen? It uh, happened and it struck down protections that we've had and voting rights here in this country. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really just stunning to see. We knew from decades ago that there were certain places, especially with preclearance and Section 5, that uh, certain places in this country where the federal government, you needed uh, a preclearance or you needed the federal government to oversee some of the things that you were doing with voting rights. Uh, and that swept that, the Shelby decision swept that all away. So what you're looking at now, as soon as that was swept away, a lot of states really jumped on changing uh, the parameters of voting rights in their particular states. Texas was one. North Carolina was one. I think you saw a few weeks ago, Arizona was actually one where we had super long lines in certain places people were extra challenged to be able to exercise the right to vote. It shouldn't be in our country where everyday people have to stand in line for four, five, six sometimes hours to exercise their right to vote. So we are saying, and in our demands for the democracy awakening, first and foremost, uh, and I'll go through them, we want a hearing and a vote on a Supreme Court nominee. We want 
a hearing and a vote on the Voting Right Advancement Act that really addresses restoring the protections against voter discrimination that we lost in the Shelby decision. We want a Voter Empowerment Act. You know, when you look at voter registration, this would modernize our voter registration. We're one of the few places on the globe that, you know, we have still just this really old, archaic form of registering to vote or not opting into it or not automatic voter registration. We want the Democracy for All Amendment. You know, we were talking about Shelby regarding voting rights, but the Democracy for All Amendment, this is one that would overturn the Citizens United decision where taking big money out of politics. And finally, the Government by the People Act. And this is talking about small donor empowerment measures. So we're very clear. We want a democracy and we demand a democracy that's for the people, not for big corporations and not for the wealthy. Again, you've got your spiels down, but I want to interrupt the spiel because there's so many important pieces there. I want to drill down to some of the pieces. So, so again, the reason you brought up Shelby is that the two main themes of, the, of this event, we're calling mobilization, correct, are to deal with voting rights initiatives and campaign finance reform, correct? Correct. And uh, you don't know this, I probably don't watch my show regularly, although you have to have your mom watch this one. Uh, we have four elements, we call them incumbency protection, that keep the incumbents from getting, you know, get reelected every time. And two of those are voting rights and campaign finance reform. So we talk a lot about those on the show. But what you've done here is you've identified specific solution sets to these areas, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you don't mind, I want to go back to those just really quickly because sure. for the viewers, I'm always encouraging them to get involved and have something to, to shoot for to get done. So you've identified very, four very specific pieces of legislation that you think solve these issues. And I want to just be, go a little more slowly so the viewers get those and understand what you're trying to accomplish. So sure. the first one is the Voting Rights Advancement Act. Tell yeah. me what that does. And, I, and by the way, I assume, Angie, all these are federal acts or are these state and federal? Well, it's federal with the Voting Rights Advancement Act. If you want to look at if folks or your viewers want to look it up, it's H.R. 2867. Um, and the Voter Rights Advancement Act, it really looks at just... Just when we were just so close in just having voting by and for the people, we made so many advances over the years. This was something that on both sides that we agreed to up until uh, about eight years ago when different coalitions started voting together. But up until that time, it was pretty clear in our democracy that everyone should have the opportunity and the right to vote. You know, I always talk to, especially uh, my younger family members or young people, that there was a, there was a time in this country, uh, in the Jim Crow South, where people had prerequisites to deal with, to vote, how many bubbles were in a bar of soap, had to recite the preamble. If they could do it forward, then they'd have to do it backwards. And then the voting, then there were voting rights legislation where everyone had the right to vote. And then over just the last few years, that so many of these preclearances, so many of these places were historically had an issue with 
everyone having the right to vote. We now had states, like I said, like North Carolina and Texas and others, where they started putting all of these egregious ID laws into place. And what I'd also like to um, just mention to, to some, of our, some of your viewers, people always tell me, well, you know, doesn't everyone have an ID? And I always bring to mind Rosenell Eaton. Uh, she's a 97-plus woman, wonderful woman, living in North Carolina right now. Um, and she's one of the, the plaintiffs in the voting rights case down there in North Carolina. Uh, Miss Eaton was one of the people who had to recite the, the preamble to the Constitution to get to right to vote years ago. But now she doesn't have a driver's license. Uh, she had to drive miles and miles, get someone to drive her to go to an ID place to actually get an ID in her, uh, at her age right now to have the right to vote again. So the Voting Rights Advancement Act, to have these protections restored is critical for our democracy. And then you mentioned the Voter Empowerment Act. As you said, that's the one that would reverse Shelby? No, the ones that would reverse Shelby is a Voting Rights Advancement Act. That's the one you just spoke about. Then the Voter right. Empowerment Act, what will that do? H.R. 12. This one would be legislation to modernize voter registration. You know, I can go on my computer now and I can get a U.S. passport. I can basically do my taxes, uh, but I can't do voter registration. So if, uh, if the Voter Empowerment Act was in place, we could modernize some of this voter automatic voter registration would be a part of that, but also do a lot of this voter uh, registration online. So it would be accessible to more people in our democracy. Oh, interesting. Now, again, this is a federal act, so would it preempt all the states? It would dictate how the states have to go about running elections, or would this only be for federal elections? Well, this, I think, would be more for federal elections. We've made some real advancements in states. Uh, you know, we just had some, some, we have really good prospects for places maybe like Alaska uh, and even California, but uh, this would be more of federal legislation where across the country people uh, could register online and it would be uh, something that would really expand our democracy and be great for all. Okay. Then you said the Democracy for All Amendment, that, that's the one in Unwind Citizens United case? Yes. Yes. Um, I think as, as we're now going through the, the presidential election cycle, we're seeing how important to get big money out of politics really, really is. Uh, it's a democracy by all people, not all people that can write big checks. So it's, uh, it's just something that is critical and that we need in our democracy. Corporations are not people. Now, now Angie, I know, I know a lot of people don't like Citizens United. I'm among them. But you do have some pushback now. People are saying, well, look at how well Bernie Sanders is doing. It's all about small money. I think last month he, outra he outraised uh, Hillary Clinton by $15 million. So is Bernie Sanders' campaign kind of showing us the way to get around Citizens United, or do we, st do we still need to fix the system? We still need to fix the system. I mean, I, 
I think some people uh, are encouraged that it could happen, but we really need to fix the system. We are a democracy, and it really doesn't need to be about how big of a check that you can write. It really needs to be about our democracy. So you have this great program in terms of the issues you're going to deal with. You've identified your solutions, which I think is critical. But we kind of jumped ahead here because we didn't talk about who's really pulling all this together and all these great groups you've brought together. So Democracy Initiative is one of the founding members of this. But, right. there's, but, you, but you said there's 270 organizations that are part of the team now. So how did that come together? And who's, who's, who's not, not specific organizations, but types of organizations? Who's, who's involved in this? It's been a wonderful. Uh, it's been a wonderful response, Steve, to the the whole coming together of this democracy awakening. Uh, initially, there was a lot of groups across the country here in D.C. saying we must do something, uh, and just really organically, there were groups uh, that were planning their spring mobilizations, and we said, well, you know what, we can get together and plan one large mobilization. It's been communicate. It's been the labor unions, communication workers of America, being one of the, the leading unions. Uh, the AFL CIO. Uh, it's been the NAACP, public citizens, people for the American way, every voice, student debt crisis. I mean, we just really kind of put the word out, and everybody. That's what was so wonderful about this moment in time. And that's why I feel so excited about the democracy awakening, because everybody was kind of sitting in their own, their own offices, their own living rooms, their own student halls, their churches, their union halls across the country, and said, we must do something. So when we first set out at, at, our, uh, at our large meeting that we want to do this large mobilization, everyone really came on board, and in a few short months, the Democracy Awakening, we have just thousands of people coming to Washington, D.C. to really voice and demand a democracy that works for us all. Now, now you've, you've called this Democracy Awakening, and I'm somewhat encouraged, and you got to let me finish here, by the Sanders campaign and the Trump campaign, because I think no matter how feel, people feel about Sanders and Trump, and I know there's a lot of feelings on both sides there, that they in their own way have done some Democracy Awakening because they've gotten people excited and interested in the system, and there's kind of an energy that I think the two of them have helped create. Now, some of that energy of late has been fairly negative, but do you have a sense that Trump and Sanders kind of helped lay the groundwork for the awakening that you're now bringing here, or, or were you there first kind of a thing? Well, we are nonpartisan, let me say that uh, first and foremost. But I think there is an excitement in this country. I think no one can deny that, uh, that something's happening, you know, that it just business as usual just won't do. Washington business as usual just won't do. Uh, so I think coming together once, like I said, very organically, um, that there were a lot of groups and a lot of really concerned everyday people across this country that really wanted their voice to be heard and really wanted that really care about our future. I mean, regardless, people care about their children's future. People care about environmental future. People care. So uh, I think coming together and folks ready to, to come to Washington, D.C. and voice their concerns, 
I think it's it's all a part of what's happening in our country and in our world right now. So who's your audience? Who do you, who 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 needs to hear your message? Is it targeted to the the five hundred some people in Congress? Uh, who 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 needs to get the message that you're going to leave with next week? Well, first and foremost, our our last day on uh, April eighteenth. It's called a Congress of Conscience. Uh, they Congress needs to have a conscience that we need a democratic society that works by and for the people. So we want Congress to hear our message. We want Congress to do their jobs. You know, each and every day, I think all of your, your listeners and you and everyone that's organizing this event, we get up and we do our jobs. And we are asking the same of our elected officials. Do your job. Uh, I, I've used that theme on my show before. Uh, but I've also used it in the sense that voters have to be active and do their job. So I think one of the things you're doing is you're making people get active in democracy, which is part of doing the job. And then that has to translate into showing up and voting. So will that be part of your message uh, over the weekend, the importance of people not only registering, being able to vote, but actually then show up and vote, make your vote count? Absolutely. Becoming a part of the process. And, you know, I talked a little bit about earlier that some folks are making it a little bit harder <laughs> to be a part of the process. But, yes, encouraging people to become a part of the, pro the process. You know, democracy awakening is something that uh, we really wanted folks to just really take to heart, to wake up, wake up. I think sometimes folks become a, a little bit disenchanted uh, and disheartened um, with so many things. And we are saying a very positive message, uh, a coalition message, that together we, we, can, we can do some really remarkable things. But we have to wake up. We have to go for it. We have to participate. We have to be involved. And we have to let our elected official know let our elected officials know that we are a part of this process. We're watching and it's time for them to wake up and do their jobs. Now we spent a lot of time on my show talking about this generational uh, aspect of things. We talk about the millennials. Uh, are the millennials paying attention to what you're doing here? Absolutely. We've had a whole college uh, We've had a whole college uh, tour of getting college students involved in the Democracy Awakening. Uh, Larry Cohen, as you mentioned earlier, uh, president of the NAACP, Cornell Brooks, uh, and myself were at Georgetown University last week speaking with students that are fired up and ready to come to the Democracy Awakening. We have buses of students coming from all over the mid-Atlantic states. Uh, we're going to be at Howard University uh, talking to students that have been out signing students up for the last couple of weeks. So young college students, millennials, they are ready to go. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about engaging with, uh, with our young people. So it's, it's really been a wonderful experience having them involved. They've been having their own uh program, I understand that they're not doing as much phone banking, because I understand that they don't phone as much, but they're doing their own text and outreach in their own very special way, and I'm really excited to have them involved. So this is obviously in Washington. Anybody who can get to Washington should 
get on your website and figure out how to go there. But when you're done in Washington, are you more or less going to take this show on the road at some point? Is there a West Coast version coming up? What, what comes next in that regard? Absolutely. First, I'd like to just encourage folks, if they, if they want to come and they're like, how am I going to get there? Please go to democracyawakening.org website. There is a tab just for buses. So there's buses coming from everywhere. Uh, so please, I encourage you to go on the website. Uh, there's a bus map. So by all means, please look at the, the bus map. But yes, that, that's a twofold question that I'd like to answer. Uh, the teach-ins and the trainings and the workshops, many of those are geared to people uh, learning techniques and skills and things that they could do that they can tailor uh, some of these initiatives back at home uh, in, their, in their states, in their municipalities. So we're asking folks to, uh, to by all means, come to the trainings, come to the teach-ins, but also they can go to the website. We'll have, uh, we have a group that's just working on state outreach after the mobilization is over. Uh, we have some events going on, and you can find that on the website in various places in support of Democracy Awakening while the Democracy Awakening is going on if you can't make it here. But again, that's on the website, and we encourage folks to look at all that information. But yes, Democracy Awakening will continue. This is just the beginning of our mobilization. And then, and then, so how do you see that branching out? Will you have maybe some state mobilizations? And as I said, will you go to different parts of the country? Do you have a, a rollout, so to speak, in mind? Well, there's, there's various things. Uh, and that's where I, again, encourage people to go to the website. But there's, uh, there's parties associated with the Democracy Awakening. There's events at some state houses that are associated with the Democracy Awakening. But we're really focusing in on folks coming to Washington, D.C., April 16th, 17th, and 18th, and then learning some of the skills, techniques, uh, talking about what you can do in your own uh, locales to move the Democracy uh, Awakening demands forward in your own hometown. Well, Angie, unfortunately, if you could only be more enthusiastic about your product, um, you're a great guest, and uh, you've told everybody how to do what they want to do. And I promise you at the end, my last question would be, is there anything in the spiel that you now wanted to circle back to and uh, close with? Well, I'd just like to close in saying this is really a historical, this is really a historical mobilization where we do have people from the voting rights community, for the get money out of politics community, coming together, working together, really taking a grasp with each other's issues and how this all comes together to make our democracy stronger. You know, as I as I talk about the democracy awakening, it's really something that people are really embracing. That if you care about environmental issues, you understand we have to have a democracy, a good democracy. To, to forward environmental issues or workers' rights issues or voting rights issues or getting big money out of politics issues. So I encourage everyone to please go to the website, democracyawakening.org, and if you can, please come April 17th, 18th, 16th, 17th, and 18th. I know you will really enjoy time. And, and they'll get to see the cherry blossoms, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. They are beautiful, absolutely beautiful. 
Well, Angie, you've been a great guest. And I'll tell you what I'm thinking we should do. I want you to have this great event, this great mobilization, and maybe you and I can uh, get back on the Skype in about a month from now, and you can maybe give me a bit of a report on how things went. Fair enough? I look forward to it. Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by the Grassroots Community Network. Check out more of your favorite programs, browse our video on demand, and subscribe to our social media channels at www.grassrootstv.org.